Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Saul, your host. I'm so glad you are here. Well, on this journey, we are spending time overcoming our obstacles on letting our money manage us, lead us, and rather taking a perspective of us leading our finances. If you hadn't listened to the last episode in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode two episodes ago when we talked about getting out of the bondage of not having financial freedom from the perspective of what? Of financial illiteracy, poverty mindset. I encourage you to listen to that episode as a foundation to this series. On this episode, we're going to talk about something that is just as important that I found over the years to be one of the crutches that people have, including myself, in their leadership of their finances. And that is how we manage what we have. Because oftentimes, more often than not, what I've seen in over 30 years of working with people in the financial sector and the leadership sector is this idea that we just have to spend what we make. We call it overspending, too much debt, lifestyle inflation. We're going to cover it all on this episode. So let's talk about it. When I was growing up, I did not understand budgeting. I did not understand having an idea where I didn't feed into my impulses. And I don't know if you've been in the same boat as me, but I didn't have an idea of what it, just what it took to manage my desires. I thought, boy, it would be great if I was financially secure, really I'm using air quotes, what I thought financial security was and financial wellness was, was having fancy cars, was having a nice place, was having being the man, having the parties, being the one who was out and spending on everyone else, fancy clothes, nice shoes. I thought those were status symbols. What I came to find out was that I was frivolously spending overspending beyond my means. I was living beyond my means. So many people today live beyond their means. It's an epidemic, my friend. I thought that when I made a little more money, that I would be financially secure. I would be ready to make it to the realm of those who didn't have to be concerned about money anymore. In fact, I thought that maybe when I made six figures that I wouldn't have a worry, a care about money. It would be as though I made it. In fact, friend, it just wasn't true because it didn't matter. I learned how much I made as much as it mattered how much I spent. And that's true today. In fact, not too long ago, I think it was a poll about two years ago, said this, that 54% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. You think, oh, well, yeah, because many people are poor. Well, this is true, but here's the kicker. Nearly 40% of those with annual incomes over $100,000 live paycheck to paycheck. 12% of those struggle to just pay their bills. You think, wow, man, if I made over $100,000, that wouldn't be me. I would be saving so much money. That might be you, but that's not a lot of people. In fact, I know this from my accounting and advisory work that I do. You don't have to read a statistic, a research study to see how people are living. It's called lifestyle inflation. Have you ever heard of that term before? Lifestyle inflation is when we continue to change our standard of living with our income. What does that look like? Well, 
when I started working, I was making $18,000 a year. And I lived on that. I lived in an apartment that was small. I didn't have much furniture. I didn't go out to eat much. I had very modest clothing that I wore. I lived a very frugal life. I went to the discount shopping place with sold off brands such as an Aldi. And that's how I lived. As soon as my income rose, I thought, well, wow, I'm making a little more money. Maybe I'll have a few more nice meals out. Maybe I'll buy that brand named shirt. Maybe I'll go out and I'll be out with friends a little more. Well, maybe if I can make just a little more money, I can get some new furniture and furnish my place and I go to Goodwill or Salvation Army and get used furniture. I'll get some new stuff and then make a little more money. Go from 20 to 25 to 30, maybe $35,000. Guess what? I'm going to upgrade my car. This old thing, it's always breaking down. I need something more reliable. And then I go from 35 to 45, maybe $50,000 a year. And I'm like, wow, I'm making some nice money. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to go ahead and get some money saved up and put it down. I'm going to get a decent house that I can live in. It might be a small house, but it'll be my own. And so I do that, and then I rise to $70,000, $75,000. Wow, I'm making some good money. Maybe I'll put a little money in savings, but you know what? I haven't really taken any vacations. I think I'm going to treat myself to a nice trip to Aruba. Yes, all expenses paid. It's going to be fantastic because it's going to be all-inclusive. I'm going to do all the excursions. I'm not going to fly first class, but I'm going to have a good time. Then I go to $85,000 and $90,000. I'm like, well, you know, it would be nice to have a second car, maybe just something fun. And then what about that? those nicer televisions? Or perhaps I need something around the house that is uh, a little maybe more luxury, maybe a nice massage chair. And then I move up and I get to $100,000 and I'm really rocking, right? I'm making six figure income and it's great. So then what do I do? Maybe I'm starting to save a little bit of money. Maybe I put a little away for a rainy day, but there's other things that I think, you know what? Maybe I deserve them. Maybe I deserve some fancier lifestyle things. Maybe I could eat at that fancier restaurant. Maybe I won't fly first class, but maybe every so often I'll upgrade that flight. What's another $150, $200? I'm making pretty decent money. And it goes on and on and on. And what happens? I am having what we call lifestyle inflation. Is that you? Have you changed your life to match your income? And if that's the case, that's what it's called. I just continue to live at my means. And honestly, some people still live beyond their means, even at six figures, 100, 200, 300, 400, half a million dollars. You say, Nate, no way. You're telling me that people who make earn half a million dollars, still live paycheck to paycheck. Some do. They've got to fly first class. They've got to have the mini mansion. They've got to have the best hotels. They've got to have the fanciest restaurants. They've got to have the Rolex. They've got to have the clean, new, late model car every year, every two years. Maybe they go gambling. They have other recreational activities. Maybe they are generous and they buy things for everyone else because they want to help or feel more important. I don't know what the reasons are, friend, but I'm telling you right now, it happens every single day. Unfortunately, that overspending is not a pathway to wealth building. It's not. And it's not a pathway to us leading our money. It's a pathway to our money continuing to lead us. Now, on the flip side, I know people in my camp, including myself, who have said, stop. 
Let's stop spending frivolously. Let's stop overspending and let's start reinvesting. What I have is decent. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm comfortable. Even though I could afford a house that's perhaps twice the cost of my current house, even though I could fly first class, I'm still going to fly coach. Even if I could buy everything at the grocer that is the top notch, perhaps I'm still looking at the savings and the discount aisle. Even if I could, I'm not because I'm going to earmark those funds for something else for reinvestment for savings. And this is one of the pathways, friend, to wealth building. So we have to put an end to living beyond our means. We have to put an end to accumulating excessive debt or indulging in unnecessary expenses because they can hinder our wealth accumulation strategy. And here's the thing. You say, Nate, I don't have a wealth accumulation strategy. Well, guess what? There's your first problem. You don't have a vision. You have to have a vision of where you want to go. You say, Nate, I'm not about accumulation. I want to just live as I live and not even worry about money, not worry about this. I'm not saying worry about it. What I'm saying is be smart, be wise, be intelligent, be a planner who knows that there will come a time where these funds will become necessary for me to move forward. That's just a suggestion. You might come back and say, Nate, I'm okay living paycheck to paycheck. I'm okay with not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You might be okay with that right now, but what happens when a tragedy comes across or some kind of an issue such as a pandemic? or some kind of a financial crisis? Have you planned for that? Or are you just going to suffer and struggle? Now, that's a choice that you have to make. But for me and my family, I'm going to prepare just in case something does happen. Not only that, I want to create an example for my family, for my son, and for those who I care about, that I can be a good steward of what I'm entrusted with so that I can multiply and increase what I'm entrusted with and have a sense of of discipline and discernment because I know and I've seen it all around that high levels of debt, they come with all kinds of problems. They come with interest payments that reduce our availability of funds for savings, for investments. They can impede our long-term growth strategy. They come with heartaches. They come with a lack of purchasing power that gives us opportunities in the future. You may not want the opportunities, but others do. And if you do want the opportunities, then continue to listen on. If you don't, go to a different episode. But someone asked me very recently, how do I retire at age 50? And this person was 30, in their mid-30s, 37 years old. That's a great question. And for me, retirement is not an option because I don't plan to, quote, air quote, retire in terms of stop building and working because I'm an entrepreneur. But this person was not in the entrepreneurial sector. This person was in the wage sector. And I understand that. The first step that I explained to this individual is you have to know your numbers. You cannot even begin to plan for retiring or accumulating your wealth in such a way that you're able to take the breaks off of labor until you know your numbers. Have you created a budget? Do you track your expenses? Not just track them, but track them meticulously to identify areas of overspending. As someone who lives in a space that in the past, our family income has been seasonal. Of course, I own an accounting and advisory firm and tax season was our busiest season. I have to plan for the entire year based on that one season because after the season was over, we still had work, but it wasn't nearly as much. So I had to figure out how to make ends meet. I had to create a budget. I had to track the expenses one by one by one for the entire year. Have you done that? It's a great exercise in 
money management. And then when you track that and you create a budget, then you can make adjustments that are necessary to cut back on non-essential expenses. I love cutting back on non-essential expenses, things I just don't need. What are some non-essential expenses? Maybe it's a gym membership. I don't need a gym membership. And now some say, yeah, I need to get out and I need to be around other people. But I got some equipment in the basement and I use it. I exercise four to six times a week and I save money there. I don't need to get car washes at the fancy car wash. I like to just spend a little time in my garage. If I'm going to wash my car, I spray it down, I wash it. You might say, Nate, I don't want to do that. I enjoy it. Plus, it's too much time consuming for me to do it at my house. That's fine. The point is, is that there are things that are not essential, like Starbucks. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. A $7 coffee for some might be the way to go. And I know someone listening is like, oh, Nate, now you're going too far, brother. Don't try to take my Starbucks. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to try to take your Starbucks. But for me, I don't need to spend $7 on a cup of coffee or $4 on a cup of tea. Every so often, yes, I will get one. But it's more the exception rather than the norm. I'm not doing it every single day because I know that just continues to accumulate and add up. In fact, I was buying a smoothie every single day from Smoothie King for a little while. And it was as if it was Starbucks. Now, it was meal replacement, so I was 8 bucks. And it would it was breakfast and lunch for me. And then I'd eat dinner at home. So I could rationalize that cost. But I could make a smoothie at home too. And guess what? It might not have all the sugar. It might be better for me. The point isn't that you have to do what I'm doing. The point is that we can make adjustments to cut back on non-essential expenses. And your pushback might be, Nate, this is my only enjoyment. This is my only thing that I do. And I work hard for my money. Please don't ask me to take away that small bit of joy that I get. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that if you're in a position to where you can minimize certain costs and still have the quality of life, then do it. And if you're in debt currently and you want to start getting out of debt, you have to develop a debt repayment plan. First thing you do is you're going to list all your outstanding debts, all your liabilities, And you're going to prioritize them in terms of paying them back. High interest debts first. Accelerate that repayment. Consolidate debt. Negotiate better terms than possible. I mentioned this before. When I was young and financially illiterate, I racked up over $100,000 in debt from the time I was 21 to the time I was 24. Over $100,000. Some of it was high interest. I was never going to get out of debt. At the rate I was going, I had all of these department store cards for clothing, 27% interest. I had a number of credit cards. I was in all kinds of financial pain. I was ulcerating. I was stressed out. I consolidated all that debt. I prioritized them. I negotiated terms. I got with a debt repayment company and $1,265 every single month for over five years, I made every payment flawlessly. Never missed one. And I paid off all my debt. I didn't have to file bankruptcy. My credit score went from the 500s to the 700s and then the 800s. I became a better steward of what I was entrusted with. I was disciplined and diligent. If you're in that position now to where you have debt weighing you down like you can't even breathe, I was there. There's hope. Don't give up. There's hope for you to get out of debt. Start with listing all those debts, prioritizing them by high interest, consolidation, negotiation, wherever possible. Sometimes a write-off. In other words, you negotiate an amount that's paid. 
without hitting your credit report. You pay the amount, you pay a little bit of taxes on the amount that's forgiven, you move on. And then once you've done that, adopt a cash first mentality. What is a cash first mentality? It means that I've got to have the cash available to pay these bills. If you can't pay your credit card off in full every month, go to a cash basis, go to a debit card basis. I had to go to a debit card basis for years so that I knew I have to have the money in hand to pay this bill. Then I didn't use credit cards because I wanted to mitigate the accumulation of additional debt. Once I became a good financial steward of what I was entrusted with, then I began to use credit cards again. I do not want you to use credit cards if you cannot pay them off in full every single month. You're going to rack up massive rates that are very difficult to pay off unless you're doing a balance transfer, and that is also risky. You can use the credit cards if you're diligent. Well, now I have credit cards and I'm diligent. Everything is 100% paid every single month. I get my points. Everybody wins. But I am now a financial ninja. I want you to be a financial ninja. All right? Don't go into battle using credit cards if you're not a ninja. You've got to get to the point to where you have arrived. You have mastered the cards. You have mastered your debt before you can begin to do that. And once you do that, then you can start building wealth. I can't express enough the value of not living to your means. If you're living in a position to where you're like, Nate, I don't even know how to do this. Well, start small. I remember listening to Shaquille O'Neal once talking about his advice that he had received on building wealth. And he said, a mentor of his, first of all, his first million dollars, he explained, he just blew it all. As soon as he got his first million dollar check, he went out and bought lots of stuff and he had nothing. And then he went and started getting more advice on trying to understand how to manage his money. And one piece of advice he got was take 25% of everything you earn and put it away in the savings. That's if you want to get rich, if you will. And rich is different than wealthy. Rich is, is that you have lots of surplus cash, but you got to keep working for it. Wealthy is independence, where you no longer have to work for your money. It works for you. He said, what I was instructed to do is, if I wanted to be wealthy, I took 50% or 75% of my wealth and I reinvested it and saved it in ways that it would accumulate for me, compounding interest in different ways. So if you're listening to the show and say you are a millennial, okay, and millennials are in a really rough spot right now. So I'm speaking to you. When it comes to demographics, here's what this study said. The largest group living paycheck to paycheck is the millennial, 77%. And 33% are struggling to pay their bills. You're in a rough spot. And so if you're in the position to where you're not quite there yet, or perhaps you have just gotten that first offer of a good job, and the job's going to pay you $100,000 a year. Take 10% of that and save $10,000. Take 20%, you save $20,000, $30,000, so on. If you take 75% of that, you still live on $25,000 a year. You say, Nate, you must be insane to tell me I can live on $25,000 a year. Just hear me out. Your first $75,000, if you're living on $25,000 now, spend another year living on $25,000. Save that seventy-five dollars multiply that 75 grand, reinvest it, let it build for you. Okay, Nate, I can't do that. No way. All right. 50% of it, 50 grand. Can you live on $50,000? I used to be able to live on $50,000. If I could go back and do it again, I might've lived on $50,000 for a longer period, maybe a year or two more years to do that. I had to actually do that when I almost lost everything. When I was in a position to where I went in on a business, which almost bankrupted me a long time ago, back around 2010. 
And we had to sell everything, sell our house, liquidate, go live in a small home. And I lived much, much lower income on much lower income than my means. And I began to do what? I began to rebuild, start saving and paying off debt, starting over. Whatever you can reinvest, do. I encourage you as much as you can. I try to reinvest 50% of my income right now, if not more, into my business, into my investments, and allow them to multiply for me. You can do it too. You say, but Nate, even if it's $10,000, I don't have $10,000. I'm going to tell you one thing. You might not have it today, but if you change the mindset from an impulse mindset to a disciplined mindset, you will eventually have that available to you. Don't start with $10,000. Start with $1. Move to $10. Then to $100. What am I going to give up so that I can then use that money and save some of it and let it multiply? Nate, I don't know where to develop it. I don't know where to put it. We'll get there. Let's just start with moving out of the impulse bucket. Let's start with moving into the discipline bucket. What's the difference between impulse and discipline? I had mentioned this on the last program. If you have impulse, you will take that one piece of candy today. Someone says, I can give you one piece of candy today or two pieces tomorrow. The impulsive person takes a one piece today. The disciplined person takes the two pieces of candy tomorrow. Be the two-piece candy person. Have the discipline and wait. So what does that mean? That means the next iPhone. That means the next computer, the next TV, the next piece of equipment, that next best thing, the next shiny object, wait, just wait. If what you have is working, it's doing what it should do, if it's effective, you know, you don't have to have iPhone 23. I know we're only on 14 as the pro flies right now, but you don't have to do that. My phone's several years old. Guess what? It still works great. I don't need to spend $800 every year on a new phone. What is it that you need to release right now? What impulse is holding you in bondage with your finances? Right now, what do we need to be freed from so that we can live fully, so that we can begin to save and reinvest and grow as a leader and not let our money manage us, not let our money lead us, but that we can lead our money. Overspending and debt, friend, are enemies. Let us purge that right now. Let us find a way the strength and the courage to say no more. Today is the last day. I will begin to plot a course to financial freedom and it starts here with me. Well, my friend, we did it again. I'm so glad you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been with me on the show, listening in, you'll know this. But if you're new, you may not know that I created a free course for you that you don't need to provide an email address. You don't need to go anywhere, but to stay right here in the podcast. I created the very first six episodes of the podcast because I wanted you to have the kind of value that you need to take advantage of to thrive as a leader. So if you haven't done that yet, listen to episodes one through six, and I'll see you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership.